CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Kathy Chang is the president of WS&Co, one of Canada's leading full-service apparel manufacturers. She's also the founder of WS&Co's in-stock apparel line, Redwood Classics Apparel, which provides promotional and retail distributors with trending garments that are handcrafted in North America. In 2016, Advertising Specialty Institute, ASI, presented Kathy with the prestigious Counselor Supplier Woman of Distinction Award for her positive mark in the industry through her business acumen and leadership abilities. Kathy was also one of three Canadians inducted into the ENY 2014 Entrepreneurial Winning Women Program, a North American competition and executive leadership program, and won a position on the Women's Executive Network's 2013 list of the top most powerful women in Canada. As a proud supporter of supplier diversity and corporate social responsibility, Redwood Classics holds certifications from WeConnect International, WBE Canada, and the Canadian Aboriginal and Minority Supplier Council, and is also a member of the Advertising Specialty Institute and the Promotional Products Association International. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Kathy. Thank you for having me. 
Now, I like to start with a great origin story. So can you share with us a little bit about your early career and what led you into this industry? Hmm. So what led me into this industry of fashion? I'm probably one of the few people that are in the fashion industry and may not necessarily have the passion for fashion. (laughs) Um, It's actually a family business. So my father and I are business partners now, but uh, it's, you know, our family of origin is really in the textile industry. I guess our story or my story or our family story, which is like most Canadian immigrant stories, is that we were immigrants that came to Canada. Um, I came at a very young age and I was a latchkey kid at the age of five. Um, My parents, as typical immigrants, worked three jobs. Um, My mother worked full time and I actually grew up in factories. Um, You know, we, we didn't have a lot of money, very humble beginnings, so they couldn't afford daycare. They couldn't afford camp. And I'd literally grow up in factories that, um, you know, my dad's employers or my mother's employers were nice enough to allow me to um, accompany them when they went to work as a a cutter or or a seamstress. Um, And so I literally grew up in this industry. (laughs) I grew up in factories. And I think at the age of about when I was my teenage years, when I was about 12, my dad started a small sewing contracting company um, in 1988 with five people and 10 machines. And he was partners with his brother and sister as well. Um, fast forward and, you know, from a small sewing contracting company to by the late 90s, um, they had grown it to a point we were directly employing close to 500 people and had about over 200,000 square feet. And everything was made in Canada and it was very much domestic made. Um, China joins WTO in the early 2000s and people start going offshore. Um, Come 2008, 10 years ago, which was the, you know, the, the global financial recession, it became very challenging for us to continue, um, continue the domestic production. The business landscape was not the same anymore. And so as a family, um, we had to decide if we were going to retire like most textile families have um, in Canada or do we keep fighting this battle? And I would say, you know, uh, the decision was we were going to fight the battle and that's what we did. Um, January 2009, my dad and I became business partners and we humbly restructured with 40 people. I mean, fast forward now you know, to, to present day. And we've almost tripled our head count. We've doubled our workspace, if not tripled the workspace. And we've just been a steward to made in Canada products. And that's kind of how I got into the industry. I've, I've grown up in the industry. Um, and really what started off 10 years ago as a loyalty to our family of makers have now become you know, loyalty to our country, um, to want to give back as much as we can to really our future, um, because it's very important to us that we believe we build a sustainable future together and just be conscientious of, of, of consumption decisions. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really, that was beautiful. You're like (laughs) going to make me cry on this podcast and thank God that no one can see me, but wow, like your story is so incredible. And it's such a testament to like the strength of family of like 
the importance of opportunity that immigration can provide to, to families and, and to young people and, and what, you, what can really come when young people are surrounded by their parents. And, and like you said, your lineage being these makers, it's, it's such a beautiful and poignant story. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank I, you. I wonder, and, but it's, oh, go ahead. it's just not my story. It's everyone's story. And it's, it's our story of our makers. And, and I think that's, that's what I've discovered over the last few years is what started off as being loyalty to our makers really, you know, at the end of the day, um, apparel is made by human hands. And I think it would be amazing if we could humanize the apparel industry, if we can humanize the textile industry, because a lot of the products are made offshore and when they're offshore, they're not in front of you out of mind, out of, out of sight, out of mind, right? You don't think about it. And I do so many factory tours, a lot, uh, especially with um, colleges and universities, um, trying to educate at the grassroots level, um, a lot of the fashion schools. And when they come through, you know, comments will be like, oh, it doesn't come out of a machine. And it's like, no, it doesn't. There's <laughs> actually human hands that do this. And I think it really surprises people and they realize that, wow, you know, there's so much touch points and there's, it's so intimate, the, the production of apparel. So, you know, fast fashion is one thing, but we believe in, you know, investing in quality and investing in, in conscious consumption, right? And that's not to say, you know, there can never be fast fashion. I just think maybe it's time to, to look at balancing the balancing the budget a little bit through through your consumption choices. Absolutely. And I think that it's such a there is a movement towards that through to ethical sourcing, to conscious consumption, to even when we're seeing like with the minimalist movement, it's it's how do we consume in a way that is sustainable and healthy for us as individuals, but also as society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for me, it also amplified once I became a mother too. Right. And you realize, holy, it isn't just about me. There's, there's, there's a future generation and many generations that we have to uh, protect and we're a steward for. So when it comes to the ethos of staying made in Canada, you, you touched on it briefly uh, in the beginning during your origin story, but what made you guys commit to that as a core tenant in your company? Um, I think the fact that we just love this country so much and we really want to give back to this amazing country that has given us a brand new life. I mean, I think about it and I wasn't born in Canada. Um, but if we stayed back in Hong Kong, would I have the life that I have now? Um, would I've had the access to education, to healthcare? I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. We were from very humble beginnings, even back home. But Canada has really given us an opportunity to start a new life. Uh, we've been very fortunate and it's a lot of hard work and it's not hard work of just, you know, my parents and our family, but really our family of makers. And I think our story is very similar to a lot of Canadians. Yeah, you are really hitting my heart because uh, <laughs> my parents are are from Punjab, India, Northern India, and my nose is stuffed. So now that I'm tearing up, it's becoming even more evident. So audience, I am slightly crying over here, but, uh, um, we just went back to India a little bit ago to my mom's rural village. And I just would look around at the young girls there and say, my life could have been so different if yeah. I didn't have the privilege of being born in this country. And so there yeah. is an immense pride and gratitude to this risks our parents took bringing us here, but also Absolutely. now 
the opportunity that we can pay forward to other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think paying it forward is just really, really key um, in how we live our life every day, the best that we can. Right. And so that takes me into a bit of like what is so compelling about your company, not only that you're sourced in Canada, but you have a really strong focus on supplier diversity. Can you share a little bit about what supplier diversity is and also why you guys are committed to it? So, I mean, supplier diversity... Canada has actually have one of the best definitions of what supplier diversity is. Essentially, what it is, is a business practice that really encourages the use of historically underrepresented businesses in a company's supply chain. And that includes minority owned, women owned, Aboriginal owned, LGBT owned, veteran owned, and even disability owned. Um, and in short, really supplier diversity is a business initiative whereby diverse suppliers have an equal opportunity to supply to major corporations. I mean, there's still a limited understanding amongst a number of procurement professionals of what supplier diversity is, but there is a business case for it. And, um, you know, sometimes there's a lack of understanding about how to find diverse suppliers. But I think that's why this opportunity to educate the audience about supplier diversity is so important. And I am extremely, extremely grateful for this opportunity to chat about it. And when you look at the impacts that it has on your business, but also on these suppliers, can you share a little bit about what that looks like in an everyday context? Um, in an everyday context, when so for example, when you buy a Redwood Classics product, every one of our product comes with a proudly made in Canada hang tag, as well as showcasing our certification. Because we do find that um, when when we're investing in our own community, we're we're really paying it forward, and we're creating and we're generating economic prosperity. That is really what it is. So, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, why is it important for corporations to buy from women-owned businesses, as an example? And as We Connect International has reported, globally, women control $20 trillion in annual consumer spending and make about 80 and make about 85% of the consumer purchasing decision. But they really earn less than 1% of the money spent on products and services by large corporations and governments. Yeah. Those are remarkable all, statistics. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, right? And then you think about it and women, when you're asking about, you know, what's the everyday impact? Well, women typically invest in the majority of their income back into their families and their communities. So helping to elevate women economically actually raises the quality of life for them as well as their families, as well as their communities. And I feel like I'm a living example of that. Absolutely. Um, it's so inherent in your story and in what you've now decided to commit your life to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't even realize I was doing that, but here I am. You know, I, I really have to say, I didn't grow up thinking this was going to be my career path and, and I was going to be, a, I was going to find my voice this way. And here we are. I like, again, I, it just feels like <laughs> I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, but when you're looking at supplier diversity and um, becoming certified, because uh, you mentioned that certification on your products, what is that process like and, and what does it mean to be certified? Oh, to be certified. So to be certified, you have to be 51% or more own and operated. Um, the certification is a formal 
verification tool that a number of corporations use to ensure that they are purchasing goods and services from a diverse supplier. Now, many of these corporates have procurement and spend dedicated to diverse suppliers. So certification really gives diverse suppliers a competitive edge but it does not guarantee contracts or businesses. So that's something I really want to stress, that getting certification gets, gives you access to meet corporations and procurement opportunities, and it should be a diverse part, like it should be a part of diverse a diverse supplier's business strategy, but it does not guarantee you any business. And I also want to stress that as a diverse supplier, we're simply being given an opportunity to be at the table with your certification. You know, just like all other sales channels, you still need to carry forth the sales process like you would normally. So winning the business based on your quality, your service, your price, your competitiveness, all things still being equal. But um, when you're a diverse certified supplier, there's the corporation and the business community recognizing that you are part of a historically underrepresented or marginalized group of vendors. And therefore, they want to invite you to have an opportunity to have a seat at the table. Amazing. And that certification is given, you said in the beginning, 51% uh, diverse ownership. Yes. So in order to become um, certified as a woman-owned business, you must be 51% owned and operated and controlled by women or women. And um, women-owned businesses can apply online. Uh, they can apply by visiting a certifying organization such as We Connect International. So that would uh, be We, W-E, and then connectinternational.org. Um, they need to fill out an application, pay a yearly fee based on the company's revenue, and then upload business documents such as tax returns, financials, articles of incorporations in a you know safety and secured platform. So once everything is completed, though, um, they will be contacted by the certifying organization for you know a, a certification assessment, and this can be done in person or over the phone. And then afterwards, the assessment is sent to the certifying organization's headquarters where they make final decisions as to whether the women-owned business is approved for certification. And the entire process can take anywhere between 30 to 90 days from start to finish. I'm not going to lie. The process can be vigorous, um, but it's well worth it. And I'll be honest, like for me, when I got my first certification, which was CAMPC, Canadian Aboriginal Minority Supplier Council, I felt like. I got my citizenship the second time. <laughs> I wow. really did. And I celebrate it like it. And you know what? It, it should be that stringent and it shouldn't be that easy and a walk in the park because these certifying councils are verifying on behalf of a number of corporations out there. So, you know, whenever I hear suppliers that could be certified and they start complaining about, oh, the, vig the, the process is, is so tedious, it's so this, I'm thinking, you know, it's like getting your bar, right? If you, you, you were a lawyer, you have to study for it. And then once you get your certification, you don't just open your door and expect business as a lawyer. You would work your, you, you would learn, you would, you know, work hard to, to say as a lawyer, I've past the bar. And now I'm going to, you know, go out there and get business. It's the same thing. You know, I, I, I'm not saying we're a professional in that sense, but the certification is something I think, um, 
more suppliers that are certified need to take advantage of and need to appreciate that it's not an easy process and that we should do our best to, you know, pay it forward to the community. Because I do believe um, the the number of corporations out there um, that do supply um, that do support supplier diversity. I really call them community builders. That's who they really are. I mean, and of course, there's a business case to it. And so let's dive into that a little bit. Like what was the incentive for you outside of your own, like your personal values, your, your commitment to diversity um, and across the company, that being the culture, but what is, what could be the business case for these certifications and, and incentivizing company corporations in this way to, to choose, to choose you or to choose the suppliers that you work with? Well, I think it, it could be a few things. I mean, I look at WeConnect International. It's a it's a leading global corporate, uh, not for profit, working with corporations and multilateral organizations to help women-owned business connect with large buyers and access to new market opportunities. I mean, the fact that they currently serve more than seven thousand women business owners, based in a hundred countries, and they offer local supplier development education and certification in 45 countries, including Canada. And that's the one thing, if you ask me about supplier diversity, you know, what I absolutely love about it, I can tell you, um, we got certified in 2014 and the woman that I was then and the woman that I am now, very, very different. Um, when I was certified in 2014, I, I sincerely credit my personal and professional growth to my certification. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, it was, it's my journey started um, when I was inducted in the EY winning women program class of 2014. Uh, that really kickstarted my development journey. Uh, I believe EY actually believed in me before I believed in myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they, really invested in me and helping me realize my full potential. Um, and then in 2015, we were fortunate enough um, that our company won the CAMPSI, uh, Canadian Aboriginal and Minority Supplier Council of the Year Award. And through that, we won a generous scholarship donated by General Motors to attend an Ivy League executive education at Dartmouth College. Yeah. And then the same year, I was selected to join the Sundials, uh, Sundial Brands inaugural fellowship program. And that blessed me with a second scholarship to attend Tuck again for the part two of the education program. That's it, it, absolutely remarkable. <laughs> right. And that doesn't even stop. I'm yeah. a recent graduate of Accenture's diverse supplier development program, which is a 12 to 18 month program that matches senior center executive mentors with diverse supplier protege companies such as myself and host practical workshops to help us grow our business. And these are exclusive program. This exclusive program is, you know, currently there's 170 graduates globally. And now I'm part of that network. So, so you're saying not it, only from the We Connect International perspective in terms of the access to different markets that you have, the training, the, all of that, but then also this um, certification can also help you get acknowledged for your work and level you up through being seen for all of these various programs that became absolutely. basically a domino effect. Because when you're in one, then your profile grows for another and another and another and your impact just is magnified. Absolutely. That's exactly it. I would say, you know, if we we look at the number of jobs we've 
we've increased since 2014. You know, we've added at least 30 to 40 more full-time positions. Um, And I'm not saying it's all because of supplier diversity. It's a number of things put in play, but I would say, you know, through the development programs of supplier diversity, it allowed me to start finding my voice, my true authentic voice, um, and, and to discover that I actually have more potential than I think I do. Because typically as an SME business owner, it's pretty insular. You know, um, I learned so much through supplier diversity um, because of the corporations I get to talk to. I may not be vying for that business, but if I understand how a corporation works, let's say in this industry versus another industry, these are all transferable learnings I can then bring back into my own business and see how do I implement that? You know, there's best practices that we, we could, we could emulate or, or there's just, you know, things I've learned about procurement so much more and things about procurement that I've learned through getting to know corporations. I've now been able to take a little bit of here and there and incorporate it into my own business. So what advice do you have for those who are running SMEs that are physical product oriented or, or not, I guess, um, looking to increase their exposure um, and to be seen as viable um, suppliers. Because uh, you said, you know, it wasn't until these acknowledgements happen that you were able to build your own confidence. So in lieu of that, like what advice do you have for our listeners to to be able to go big and build up that confidence in themselves? Huh. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a little bit of culture for me as well. I grew up um, in an Asian background, which traditionally is a more patriarchal uh, upbringing. My father's amazing. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) He stuck with me. I'm I'm, I'm the daughter and the son. Um, (laughs) But just growing up socially is is typically, you know, um, a female shouldn't speak up or you need to be humble or modest and, and all of that other stuff. So, you know, when I share about my personal journey and finding my voice because others recognized it, because honestly, if you asked me five years ago, you asked me what I did, I just say I make T-shirts, sweatshirts and track pants. You know, <laughs> yeah, yes. I, 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 you don't even realize um, maybe the impact. I think that's one thing that supplier diversity has helped me recognize and to celebrate is the impact of what my business right. um, has done for the community, has has um, has done for, you know, our family and our family of makers. Um, and I think that's what fuels me to, to have started to start discovering my voice. Um, I just sincerely believe that when, when we support women, the communities thrive and our economies prosper, right? Um, and supplier diversity has helped me truly find my voice, my true authentic voice. Um, because over the years I didn't, you know, when all this started, I didn't think I was a role model and never saw myself as a leader, but as the recognition started coming through, which, you know, it's not like I put my hand up and say, Hey, come look at me. It was just good things. I believe come to good people. And I've always believed in giving back. Um, so even for my first award, I constantly want to give back to, to women and to other minority businesses or under, you know, underrepresented groups. Um, because when you give back, you're growing and you're investing And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be part of a number of mentorship programs 
but I'm also a mentor. And I think it's actually a two way street because I love, you know, um, speaking with my mentees and I, I work with my mentees and I learn so much more from them than they think they may be learning from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you're talking in that mentorship uh, capacity, when you're working with your mentees, what are some things you're seeing right now that, uh, with them that, that you've helped them work through, um, that I think could end up being phantom like support for our audience to hear as well. Cause I think that there are some trends we see, or we pick up on some things that, you know, permeate for the people that you're mentoring. And it's like, wow, like this is something that we all need to hear more of. Is there, is there something like that or piece of advice you have for the audience through your, that you've seen through your mentorship capacity? I would say, and this is something I still work on every day is a confidence level. Um, I can't say I was nearly half as confident that I am now today. Um, and it's sad in some sense that it took others to believe in me before I started believing in myself. But I think confidence is, is something that I see is, is, has been kind of a, a common theme. Um, and that really goes back to the imposter syndrome, right? I still have this imposter syndrome. I'm like, really? I'm here on this podcast. <laughs> Right. Rightfully so, because you're a total badass. So just so you know, <laughs> I think we all do. And um, I've I've uh, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, to finally realize that at the end of the day, we're all just human beings, regardless of who you are and what you do. Right. And if you bring life down to its basic denominator, which that we're all humans, um, I hope that confidence in the imposter syndrome starts, you know, get gets uh, starts starts moving away a little bit from yourself. So yeah, just just be yourself, be your authentic voice. Um, and I have to say, what I have also found is role modeling is very important. And again, I didn't consider myself a leader. I just thought I made clothes. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't until, you know, there was more exposure and I had more opportunities to, and more, you know, um, organizations were inviting me to be on panels and to speak and I would have young women, um, and it happens to be, and I don't know, it's because I'm a visible minority and I'm very vulnerable. I just go up and I kind of share my story. Um, then I started getting younger women come up to me and they would ask me if they could, they could relate to me. And, and perhaps it's, it's the, the role modeling and seeing someone that is not maybe born here and, or, uh, doesn't, um, is a, is a visible minority and, and really trying to find a voice, um, I don't know. I don't, am I making no. any sense? Oh, you're totally <laughs> making sense. Absolutely. No, it's, it's that, that moniker that we hear, like you can't be what you can't see. And I feel like when you're talking about this confidence gap as well, like it's something I face as a visible minority myself, where I look at my husband who is this wonderful, large, gregarious white man. And <laughs> I see our like subtle differences in how we see ourselves or behaviors. And it makes me wonder and curious about like, oh, maybe I can be more in the world. Maybe I can take up more space. Maybe my voice is valid or, or this story, my story is valid. So I think that even our audience who's going to hear your story, Kathy, it's going to, it has deep resonance because there's so many of us who need to hear and see this right now. Um, and I think there's such intense um, value 
in having you on those stages, getting those acknowledgements and going from calling it a t-shirt company to this massive manufacturing (laughs) company that is Canadian proud to have everything created in North America. Like that's an incredibly profound story. Um, but I also know that with, with this weight of representation, um, sometimes that can be tiring and obviously running your businesses can be tiring. And so how do you stay well? What are your tips for, uh, what, not even, it's so like, I find I diminish it when I say, what are your tips for staying well? What are the things in your life actually that, that keep you healthy, that keep you going every day? My family, definitely my family. I think, uh, For me, when it comes to the businesses, the legacy of being in the textile industry as a family business, that keeps me going. Um, For our family of makers, that keeps me going. Um, And my daughter. I I mean, I have a son as well and I love him to death. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But when I see my daughter grow, she's seven now, uh, seven and a half. And the level of confidence that she has, you know, that really energizes me and it tells me that I think I'm setting a good example for her. There's no, she has no fear. And I feel like growing up, that was part of, not to say people would discourage me, but I don't necessarily know if girls were encouraged to take risks as much as the boys were. And maybe it would have been my upbringing or just, you know, the way we were socialized. But um, I'm seeing I make a conscious decision with that, Um, you know, and also encouraging her to embrace her leadership skills. So um, I bought her a T-shirt that said, and, you know, I make T-shirts. So for me to buy (laughs) T-shirts doesn't happen very often. But um, it it said, um, I'm not bossy. I have leadership skills. And so, you know, whenever anyone says bossy nowadays, she's like, "Mm -mm, mommy has leadership skills or she says, I have leadership skills. And it's just changing the narrative. You know, all of that makes a difference. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yes. And And that that makes for a better future. I mean, that's what excites me and that's what keeps me going because I've also come to realize there's no such thing as balance in life. Yes. (laughs) And let's actually, let's unpack that a little bit because it sounds like when you were getting all these acknowledgements and and momentum was starting to build, you had young children. Like what, how, how have you, (laughs) what is your survival method? (laughs) Um, Do you sleep more now than you did then? (laughs) No, I didn't sleep much then. And I thought as they get older, I would sleep more, but I've been sleeping less. Um, as the business grows, my children grow, responsibilities grow, my voice has grown. And with that though, um, I just have more energy to, to give back to the supplier diversity community. Like I'm on the board for Camp C. That's a volunteer position. Um, I'm, I'm also volunteering on a supplier committee for another women council. Um, and then I'm an ambassador for CGLCC, which is the LGBT community council. Um, I just, I, it energizes me because if you can influence and, and encourage others to get certification, just not because you're going to get business for sure, but about, getting access to the development opportunities that are there. Um, That really excites me. 
I love that. It's like when you're truly aligned with your life's purpose, there is a well of deep energy that you can pull from to keep going, to feel uh, on top of things and, and to just have that source energy moving you. But I also need to give credit to uh, my best wingman ever, which is my husband, Ted. He's, <laughs> he has really, um, I call him my modern feminist, right? And yeah. same with my son, Xavier, because they're just, they support it. They understand it. Um, he just, he always says, whenever I say, babe, I got to do something, he goes, you go be you, you know? I love that. My way. And he just go be you. And, and he says, he'll, he'll figure it out. You know, he has a career as well, but. It's he's really allowed me to um, just follow my North Star. Fantastic. And so um, when it comes to this wellness piece, I do think um, offering any tangible, practical, you shared family, you shared this is a source energy point for you uh, doing this work. But what are your like hobbies or slight escapes or things that help replenish you? Um, do you have activities you lean on? What are your what are your little quirks? Um, my quirks would be um, I love spending quality time with my social net. So with my dear friends that I've known for years, I just love great quality conversations. Um, I love a really nice glass of red Italian wine or a bottle of it. <laughs> Not going to lie there. Um, and most recently, actually, because I've been feeling a little slumpish, um, things have been kind of really crazy for me. Um, I started CrossFit and I just started. Um, I was, I have to say, I wasn't the most healthiest um, until I started, until I was in my 30 and I hit the gym for the first time and got a little bit addicted to it. Um, worked out, had a personal trainer up until I was nine months pregnant with my first kid. Wow. <laughs> and then it went all downhill from there because then the business started to grow and my kids started to grow. So I'm trying to reconnect with that part. Um, you know, reconnect with the, with the mind, uh, reconnect with the energy. Um, but it's just the every day and all these opportunities that just keeps me going. Like I can't, I can't stop. Yeah. And I think that the reason I, you know, like to sort through it all with, with our guests is because life is, life won't stop. Like it's just, gonna, mm. it will keep going, but there are certain things that bring us back to our center and to our communities. And I love that, that quality time. I love me a glass or a bottle of wine as well. <laughs> um, and also the, the movement, the moving the body for me, nature is a big one too, but huge family, family is like a, a core part of, of my ethos of wellness as well. So thank you for sharing all of that. So oh, no, thank you. as you, you shared a little bit about legacy earlier, but I do also mm. like to dive into this of, of what do you hope you're remembered for? What impact do you want to leave uh, through your work and, and in your life? Hmm, that's a good one. I think for me, my legacy is if I can be remembered as a professional that has humanized business, humanizing business, I think that's, that to me is really important. It's just, I guess nowadays every technology moves so fast. And at the end of the day, the basic common denominator amongst all of us is we're all humans. 
regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of, you know, anything. So I think it, it sounds really big and broad, but it can be applied to any industry because ultimately, you know, I want to be able to humanize the textile industry. And I always say it doesn't matter where the product is made. It's all touched by human hands. If it's made in Africa, Bangladesh or China or in Canada, it's still human hands. So it's just really, you know, bringing it down and humanizing business. Wow. Just reconnecting to the truth of of what's behind everything we consume and create is people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're doing that just by allowing yourself to be seen in the world, sharing your story so beautifully and so authentically. And we're, we're all better off for that. I feel very privileged to have had you here with us on the show. Now, the last question that I always ask our guests, um, actually, before we go, we go to the last question, I want to reiterate for our audience, some of the resources that you mentioned. So we connect international being one of them, various Mm -hmm. certifications, um, for uh, supplier diversity being others. Are there any other resources you'd recommend for our audience to dig into as they're starting or continuing their entrepreneurial journey that you found invaluable to your, to your growth and to your, uh, company? Um, I would say also, well, the other council is Canadian Aboriginal Minority Supplier Council. So that certifies minority owned businesses as well as Aboriginal businesses. Uh, WeBe Canada, uh, WBE Canada, which uh, certifies other women owned councils. Um, The CGLCC, which is um, that certifies the LGBT community. And then IWCC, which is for the disabled. Um, I think. Yeah. I mean, in terms of councils, that, that's a that's a great way to start. Um, if you want to learn more about potential customers, let it be corporations. Uh, you'd be surprised, actually. There's a number of corporations that um, if you look in deep, go deep down enough, um, you'll find that they have supplier diversity programs. And there's a lot of great development programs that you can apply to. Like Accenture for me has been a big one. Um, I've learned a lot from Accenture and I've been able to bring it back and just stay in touch with those those networks and those communities. Like I'm part of the EY Winning Women alum. And so that networking has been really great. But I think just networking and getting to know other um, diverse businesses and doing business with each other. I think that's another great way where you can really get great resources and, and, and learn from each other. Fantastic. So my last question for you, Kathy, is uh, one that I ask all our guests and it is what advice do you have for our listeners for them to thrive in their businesses and their life? Hmm. This is really going to sound cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do I not? I love the cheese, all the cheese. (laughs) It is so, so cheesy, but I mean, I think resilience is an eloquent hustle and just realize that. And, um, I think resilience is, is, is really important. Um, and I guess the other one is, is, is just be yourself and let the world adjust really. (laughs) 
What a great one-liner. That's so good. Be yourself and I let the world take, adjust. I, I can't take what, but I can't take, <laughs> I can't take full credit for that one. That's actually from a friend called, uh, his name is Danny Rosen from Brand Fuel. But, okay. So I don't want to take that away from him. Because when you asked me this, I was like, ah, oh. so this is one thing I do a little cheesy as well is on my phone, I have a list of just quotes and sayings and things that resonate with me. And and sometimes when I'm down or when I want to feel inspired, I just go back to it. So when you asked me, I was like, oh my God, what am I, I'm going to go through this. And there's so many I could say. Like, Can I have, you uh, share that note with me, please? Because I feel like that is a collective <laughs> wisdom that we're all going to need. Like even resilience is an eloquent hustle. Like what? That is like poetic. That is so okay, poetry. That, was mine. that, that, that I, I can take over. Can <laughs> we take unpack that, that a little? Can, can we dive into that a little bit? Like, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I just think in life we're, we're just, you need to be resilient, right? You need to fail. You need to, there's gotta be up and down. Um, and every day we're hustling. Let's just be honest. We hustle, we hustle in business. We, we, we hustle in our relationships. We're just hustling every day. And I think, you know, that's just part of life. So when people ask me about yeah. balance, I'm like, there's no such thing as balance. You, you, if you're hustling, you're not balancing, right? You're just, that's what you have to move every day. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that, that is something that really, but like, you know, I don't know why I said that to myself out of the blue and that really resonated with me. Um, there's another one actually in terms of confidence. And this one, um, I'm quoting one of my mentors, Phyllis Newhouse, who is an uber successful, um, women entrepreneur herself. And this is something she had once said to me and she, I, I'll never forget this. She said, um, don't make an excuse for being a good leader. Yeah. Like, you know, when it goes back to your confidence, right. And, and your imposter syndrome, you're like, oh, oh, I feel I'm scared here and I'm this. And then I have to look at this and say, oh, Phyllis says, don't make an excuse for being a good leader. Just own up to it. Right. And that's your responsibility and move forward. Well, there are some total knowledge bombs, wisdom drops that you just did. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, and on that note, thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us on the Thrive Podcast. We are so lucky to have had you on the show and keep crushing. Like, oh I'm just gosh, so excited to follow your your rise and, and the influence you're going to keep having on this country and I'm sure the world. So thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And I don't know if it's going to be my rise or it's going to be all of our rise together. For sure. Love that. All righty. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. Thrive.